Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rovardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson. And in today's episode, we're going to be reacting to Micah Parsons. Had some interesting quotes about our quarterback, Daniel Jones. Not talking about his own quarterback, Dak Prescott, but instead defending Daniel Jones from behind enemy lines. Really interesting quotes here from Micah Parsons. And we also want to dive into the left tackle situation because, as you guys know, Andrew Thomas is a little banged up. Pulled his hamstring in week one, limited at practice on Wednesday, or didn't practice on Wednesday, limited at practice today. So what's going on at left tackle? Will he play on Sunday? That's the big question. And if he doesn't play on Sunday, who is starting at left tackle? Matt Parrott, Joshua Zidu. We're going to go ahead and dive into a little bit of debate about that because we have some differing opinions here and react to those Michael Parsons comments. But before we do all that, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, Alex, how are you doing today, my friend? And what are these quotes from Micah Parsons that's got everybody riled up? I'm doing great. The pain has wore off since Sunday, so I'm feeling a little bit better about myself, feeling like I can focus again. Uh, not as angry as I was a couple days ago, as you guys probably recall. I was very frustrated the day after such blowout defeat. But we look ahead to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, um, we have referenced a couple times. I just want to like throw one thing totally relevant into the picture here, um, which I guess not totally relevant because it does have implications to the offensive line. The Arizona Cardinals sacked Sam Howell on the Washington Commanders six times last week, but Sam Howell had the most time in the pocket of any quarterback in football at three seconds. So if you look at the film, it was evident that Sam Howell was just standing in the pocket and or running into pass rushers. He That was entirely his fault. The, the sacks, like, Take that number with a grain of salt because it was really Sam Howell that was generating them himself. There were guys open. He just wasn't throwing the ball um, or getting rid of it at the very least. So, you know, when it comes to Daniel Jones and the Giants, this should be a much safer situation for DJ in terms of, you know, operating the offense, throwing the ball downfield, you know, making something happen, showcasing a spark. And when it comes to Micah Parson talking about Daniel Jones specifically, this was interesting because I think a lot of people agree that Daniel Jones should have been taken out of that game really early, probably before the fourth quarter, definitely before the fourth quarter because the game was out of reach. We were, you know, down by 30-plus points at the time, 33 points. Um, they only scored seven in the fourth quarter, so, you know, we're down by 33. It's pouring rain. Your backup offensive line is in. Why is Daniel Jones in the game? And here's exactly what he had to say, Micah Parsons, about that decision. He said, it's called protecting your guy. You know, something I thought the Giants should have done. I don't think Daniel Jones should have been in the game in the fourth quarter. I thought they should have protected him and pulled him out. And barring injury, their season will be over without Daniel Jones. He did say that DJ is not a bad quarterback. He also said, I do not agree with Daniel Jones staying out there until the last drive. I thought that was wrong. I thought it was deceiving. Um, that's your franchise quarterback, and he's out there with a backup offensive line getting sacked and hit. I just didn't understand. Maybe it was proven moment for the Giants. I have no idea. A learning lesson. Who knows? But I thought Daniel Jones should have been pulled out, so technically it's not benched. Um, you know, I agree 100%. Like, you know, I didn't think I would be sitting here t telling you guys that Micah Parsons spoke a lick of logic um, after a game like that. I'd be saying he's nonsense, you know, protecting our own. But he was spot on. You know what I mean? Like, Daniel Jones being in the game in the fourth quarter, that's how you ruin someone's season. That's how you ruin your team season. We did the same crap. Same exact logic goes into putting a Dory Jackson a punt returner last year. 
Why are you actively not trying to protect a guy that if he goes down, he was getting wrecked um, late in that game? Why are you risking it all? Like, why are you, you know, it's almost like you're at the casino, you're down $1,000, you take out another 1000 you put it on the table and go all in. You're definitely freaking losing. You know what I mean? You're done. You're not losing. You're not winning that game. I mean, unless you're Anthony, in that case, you're definitely winning. But if you're me, you're losing that game and you're walking away down 2K. That's what the Giants are playing with, man. They're lucky that they walked away neutral. They they're lucky they walked away healthy and just net neutral because end of the day, DJ going down is the end of our season. And it's not even a question. It's objectively true. It's done. The season's over. I don't understand why they risked it. Um, but, Anthony, when you hear these things from Micah Parsons, you know, what are your thoughts? I imagine you agree. I hope they don't make, make these same mistakes again because it was just it just doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, I do totally agree. Before I dive into how hard I agree, I want to talk about Micah Parsons and his continual praise and love of the New York Giants. Buddy, if you want to come play in Big Blue, just say so. We'll make it happen. That's how it always should have been. You should have been the pick in that draft for the New York Giants. You weren't. I'm sorry. I was banging the table hoping and praying that you would be a New York Giant. It's never too late. All you got to do is say the magic words of Micah Parsons. But, as he continues to defend our franchise quarterback on a continuous basis, I will have to agree with him on this one. As I said in our post-game recap, I have to give a lot of criticism to Brian Dable for making the decision to leave Daniel Jones out there. There haven't been too many moments over the past year and a half where I've had to criticize Brian Dable, but unfortunately, this is one of those moments. I thought that was a mind-boggling decision, and I thought it was a stupid decision to leave your franchise quarterback out there down 40-0 to in the pouring rain when your offensive lineman could not even touch the defense lineman. He was asking for Daniel Jones to get injured. He was playing with fire and it was a brain dead decision in my opinion. Dable, I love him. AP coach of the year. You guys know we've sung his praises endlessly on this show from the beginning of last season to the end and all the way through now. But right now I do have to give him some criticism. I have to be objective in this situation and say, Brian Dable, that was a bad decision. You need to be better. Honestly, if you look at that whole Giants game, Brian Dable needs to be better. That was probably, I mean, that wasn't probably, that was the worst coached game of the Brian Dable tenure so far. And he let his team go into that season opener prime time against a division rival completely unprepared and undercoached. This is one of those moments where Brian Dable has to show us what he's really made of. He's taking it on the chin. He's going to fight back, hopefully go out there and get a win on Sunday against a lowly Arizona team. But if he doesn't, we have to start having some difficult conversations. But right now, this is the time for Brian Dable to fight through some of this criticism, fight through some of this, some of this adversity that he hasn't faced before as the head coach of the New York Giants and prove to everybody why we are so confident in him. Because again, the decision to leave Daniel Jones out there is one that could have tanked the season, as you said, Alex. Daniel Jones takes one wrong hit he's done for the year well the Giants are done for the year you know we're talking about how in this week two game if we lose this game and then go into uh San Francisco and lose again the season's already over in week three I mean the, the season could have been over in week one had Daniel Jones taken one wrong hit in the fourth quarter of that game that he had no business being in listen you keep the franchise quarterback out there when you think you've got something to prove and you can win the game but if you're just trying to prove something if Daniel Jones is trying to go out there and prove to his team that he's a leader we already know you're a leader Daniel the whole team knows that you're a leader. Darius Slayton re-signed with the Giants, took less money to do so because you're a leader. There's no need for you to be out there in the fourth quarter of that game that statistically is impossible for the New York Giants to win. And Brian Dable needs to recognize that. I don't care what Daniel Jones says to him on the sideline. Dable, you're the boss, man. Be the boss. 
pull him out of the game tell him no you're shut down i don't care how badly you want to play we're not benching you we're protecting you like your offensive line isn't the offensive line was not protecting daniel jones and neither was brian dable brian dable has to do a better job protecting his most valuable asset his franchise quarterback daniel jones that's my take on this i think it's the objectively correct take here there is no reason to justify daniel jones's presence in that lineup in the fourth quarter so i do agree here with micah parsons the future new york giant the new york giant on the alternate timeline that i wish took place micah parsons you are right about this one but Let's talk about something that we're not just going to completely flat out agree on, Alex, because I know that we have a little bit of a debate to have here uh, over the left tackle situation. Now, Andrew Thomas, not likely to play on Sunday. Maybe he is. Who knows? We don't know yet. But who is likely to play in his place? It could be Josh Azidu. It could be Matt Parrott. Now, Matt Parrott was the first guy who got the crack at it when Andrew Thomas was pulled from the lineup last week. He goes in, plays some pretty good football, in my opinion then immediately hurts his elbow and is out for the rest of the game. So who goes in? Josh Azidu has to step in at left tackle. Now here's my take on this, Alex, and then I'll let you give yours. I don't necessarily want to see Josh Azidu start at left tackle if Matt Parrott can, because I want to see him start at right guard. So if we're talking about who's starting at left tackle, I'm putting Matt Parrott in, le- in at left tackle, and I'm taking Mark Lewinsky's bum ass out of the lineup, and I'm throwing Josh Azidu in at right guard, and hoping and praying that having better talent at the right guard spot also helps Evan Neal improve at right tackle. That's my line of thinking here. So if you can make that sacrifice for one game and just deal with Matt Parrott at left tackle, who, to be fair, has starting experience in the NFL at left tackle. Josh Azidu doesn't. We have seen games where Matt Parrott has started uh, in the regular season for the Giants at that position. We haven't seen that from Josh Azidu. It's an even bigger wild card here. I'd rather see Josh Azito go in there, play some guard. He's been practicing at guard all offseason long. Yes, I know that he's been practicing at left tackle too a little bit, but he's gotten a lot more work in at left and right guard. Mark Lewinsky, he was a complete liability on Sunday. I don't want to see him continue in the lineup until he turns things around. But right now, I think that you got to make the right decision here. You got to put Azito in at right guard. Hopefully, that helps Evan Neal improve his game. And then you just have to roll with Matt Parrott left tackle. But regardless, the game plan on Sunday, run the freaking ball. Do not give the Cardinals defense. I agree with you. Their, their pass rush is being a little bit blown out of proportion from the six sacks. A lot of that was on Sam Howell. But I don't care. I don't want to see any team have an opportunity to just berate Daniel Jones again. So I think in week two, until they figure out this offensive line situation, they're just going to have to keep the ball on the ground, feed Saquon Barkley, run it with Daniel Jones if you have to, get Matt Breda involved in the game plan. But that's my take on the left tackle spot. Alex, I'm curious to know why you think Josh Azito should get the start over Matt Parrott. Well, I was about to say this is going to be an easy argument, but that's different than I thought your argument would be. Um, You know, putting Josh Azito at right guard is an interesting concept. I know they're not going to do it this week because I think they've already confirmed that Glowinski is going to start at right guard. But in the future, maybe that's something that we could we talk about. Maybe that's something that you know rises. But I'll even throw another alignment here. This is going to turn into more of like an alignment segment that it is. You know, I think Azuda is going to start at left tackle because the reality is like Matt Pert with a hyperextended elbow. I don't trust him at all. You know what I mean? Like he can come in if Azuda gets hurt or Evan Neal gets hurt, knock on wood. But like, I, I really don't think that trusting a guy with an injury to his elbow to start is a good idea. I think Azuda starts because of that. Also like 14 snaps, tiny sample size, look good against Dallas. Arizona's pass rush is not that good. So um, I do believe that he will get the start there. But, you know, transitioning over to like kind of this alignment uh, conversation, I think that there's an argument to make that you, if when Andrew Thomas comes back, 
You got Andrew Thomas at left tackle. I think you move Ben Bredesen to right guard, and then you put Josh Azudu at left guard, John Michael Schmitz at center, and then you have Evan Neal at right tackle. But, but I do think that there's an argument to make that Matt Parrott should be competing at right tackle with Evan Neal. Like, there should be a competition going on right now. I also think Josh Azudu should be getting snaps at right tackle during uh, practice because right now, I mean, you can't get much worse than Evan Neal. Like, his speed, I mean, Azudu is fast. He has really, really good feet. He gets out of a stance quickly, good reaction timing. At the very least, he's got, like, the the first box checked off. It's everything else that, you know, is a little bit spotty. But he can get into a stance. Um, He just has a little bit of some balance issues sometimes. His hands work sometimes can be a little bit inconsistent. Um, So I, I wonder if he would be a competent right tackle. But there's another name that just popped up, um, Lyle Collins, you know, formerly of the Bengals and formerly of the Dallas Cowboys. He's a, like, true and tried right tackle. I know he's coming off an ACL tear. I think he was just recently released. But apparently, according to Jordan Schultz, there's been 12 teams that contacted Lyle Collins' representatives to see if he's available and when he's going to be ready. I have to imagine the Giants are one of them. Because if you're the Giants, look, I get that Evan Neal is your starting right tackle. I get he's a second-year player, and I know they're going to give him more opportunity, which is justifiable. I think you have to give him a chance to recover and rebound from this. But you have to have a backup plan in place in case he doesn't. And Lyle Collins is not going to cost you a whole ton. He's coming off a significant injury, and he doesn't know any playbooks. Uh, I mean, at least the ones of, of the new teams that he'd be going to. So he'd have to come in. He needs some time to work in. He's not going to cost you a whole lot. That's why the Giants clear three and a half million dollars to make signings like that. So in my opinion, if you're looking at what Evan Neal can do for you now, you give him another couple weeks, but if it doesn't pan out, you have a guy on the team that's ready to step in immediately. Um, I could see Leo Collins, if they are like, okay, he's healthy, he's ready to go. I could see them just outright cutting that pert repair and just in bringing in Collins and then Josh Azudu being that that guy that kind of plays multiple positions. I could see that as actually a reality we look we uh, we face. Um, but right now, I mean, Azudu, like, I think he's got that versatility that he could be a really nice asset across the board. Left guard, left tackle. He's actually worked in at right guard during camp and preseason. And then, like, why not add right tackle to the mix? See if he can hold up. Because right now, if Evan Neal struggles, they need to open up that position battle. They need to open that up to say, okay, like, you know what? Best Whoever performs best at practice wins that job. Because right now, you can't you can't convince me that Evan Neal is, you know, and, and, I, and look, I want to give him more time to bounce back, but you can't convince me right now that competition wouldn't help him. You know what I mean? You open that up because you want to see the best of everybody, not because you want to, you know, protect Evan Neal's confidence. Like he's already in the gutter. You need to put him in a spot where it's it's, you know, or do or die. Like you got to step up. You got to rise to the occasion. You got to get better. And sometimes competition does that to people. Um, I feel like maybe they just gave him the job and, and that was it. Like it was always guaranteed. Maybe he didn't feel that that fire, but I know one thing he said last week after the loss. He said, I never want to feel like this again. I hope to God he doesn't because if he does, he may lose his starting job because of it. Um, and maybe there's an argument to say push him into right guard. Um, and, and that way you have a position that you have a guy there. But like, you know, there there lies another conversation of alignment. You know, what are you thinking about that? Like, is there is there a way that you could see Evan Neal transitioning to right guard midseason without much practice at the position at the NFL level? It's it's tough to wrap your head around, but maybe they start easing him into that if things don't work out the way we hope. I think it's really difficult to work Evan Neal in at right guard midseason. I'd like to see them toy with that idea. I'd like to see them kind of float that idea out there at practice, see how he's, how receptive he is to it, and give him a few reps there. But one of the reasons that I think is really difficult, and this might sound a little bit um, outlandish or a little bit corny, but I don't think they want media members making a stir out of it. And there's a lot of press access at a lot of those Giants practices. I think that they're only going to try something like that out 
when there is no media access during during those practices where the media is not allowed to be in attendance that's when i think they would try that because they don't want to see you know all of the bust labels being thrown around for evan neal they don't want so much controversy getting him berated with questions about the new position and how he's adjusting i think this is something that they're slowly going to work on behind the scenes if they really are considering it in those portions of practice where the media is not in attendance it would be a gradual thing over the next few weeks where you know behind the scenes then he starts taking some reps and he starts to get acclimated to it but the switch to right guard is something that I think is weeks maybe months away for Evan Neal I think that it would probably take you until the midway point in the season before you even see him start to take those reps in front of the media at practice but I do think it's something they should be entertaining I think it's an idea that they should be toying with and start getting him adjusted to it it's not something outlandish to him because he's done it before in college in college he started out as a guard he moved over to tackle had a good couple seasons there moved back in the guard then moved back to tackle this is a guy that's played pretty much everywhere on the offensive line a lot of people forget that about Evan Neal he has never had two seasons in a row playing the same position until now so maybe we do just need to cut him a little bit more slack and give him a little bit more time getting used to the right tackle position because he hasn't played it minus last season he hasn't played it since I think 2017 it was a long time he spent some time at guard he went to left tackle but it's a big change going from the left side of line to the right side of line I didn't think that I would get into advocating for Evan Neal and speaking highly of him at this point in this episode but there is something to be said about giving him more time to adjust and more time to acclimate himself and just giving him another position to play like right guard throwing him back inside it might be a little bit too much and so I think it's something that they're just gonna have to slowly work on over the next month or two and then see if he can move into that spot would I like to see it happen honestly absolutely I freaking would because he's an absolute liability at the right tackle spot and I'm sick and tired of watching him get beat up every single game and then go into every single post-game press conference and say I never want to feel this way again I gotta be better I'm disappointed it's the same old shit with Evan Neal I just want to see him get better and if he doesn't get better kick him into guard and hope that that turns his career around because at this point it sound it looks like a real waste of a draft pick it looks like the Giants missed big on a first round draft pick which is not what you want to see so if moving him into guard can change that narrative and maybe he can be a really solid starter at the guard spot you got to make that move if you feel like that can be the case. So it'll be interesting to see how the Giants handle it. But what you said there with Matt Parrott, I mean, he looked pretty good in the preseason. He's started games in the regular seasons at left tackle, at right tackle. He's moved around the line. Maybe you do see if he's playing better there at right tackle and then kick Neal into guard. Maybe you do try out the other alignment that you mentioned, Azito at left guard, Bredesen at right guard, and you just throw Glowinski on the bench. I'd be all for that one for what it's worth. That one sounds extremely appealing to me. But this left tackle thing, we got to wait for Andrew Thomas. We need to see him get healthy. Right now, I think the Giants are kind of in limbo. Maybe they want to make some changes up front. Maybe they want to move some guys around, but you can't really while Andrew Thomas is injured because you take him out of the lineup and then you start moving other things around, then it really might start falling apart in a way that could surpass the severity that we saw on Sunday Night Football. So once Andrew Thomas gets healthy, if Evan Neal is still struggling, if Mark Lewinsky is still struggling, then I think these conversations intensify and we start to talk about moving certain guys to the bench, moving other guys in the lineup, moving guys' positions around. But right now, it's really just a waiting game. What's going on with Andrew Thomas? Can he play? Because with him out of the lineup, you don't want to make too many other changes and have this big domino effect and watch this offensive line really fall apart. So right now, if Andrew Thomas can play, I think you can kind of toy with the ideas, but you can't really do anything and make any significant changes until 
until we know the health status of Andrew Thomas and he is back to full strength. So that's kind of my take on that. Alex, how do you feel about that? Just waiting for Andrew Thomas to get healthy before you make any other significant changes to the offensive line. Yeah, uh, I, I think that you have no choice because, you know, ultimately he is the linchpin of the offensive line. And to be quite frank, they need to protect him from himself because Andrew Thomas, you know, he wants to go out there and play. He wants to go out there and fight through those injuries. But he was walking around, apparently, according to, you know, uh, I don't know, who was it, Dan Duggan or something like that, um, said that he was walking pretty gingerly out there. Like he, he, he had an obvious limp. You got to, and he was limited in practice today. You got to protect yourself from these type of few, these type of injuries that could compound and get worse. You know, he, it's not the same thing as Darren Waller who has like a nerve thing. It's it's a it's a real hamstring injury for Andrew Thomas. And if they let him play and he gets hurt and he has to miss three four weeks, our season's done, man. Like we can't survive against the 49ers without him. We can't survive against some of these teams with great pass rushers without Andrew Thomas protecting Daniel Jones' blind side. We're not going to make it. You know what I mean? Like they need to be careful. They got to protect him from himself and protect him from fighting through these injuries when he shouldn't be. Um, I know he's got a really big pain tolerance. He's battled through ankle injuries, but it's, the hamstring's different, man. It's not the same. Um, you know, sometimes those things linger. Sometimes they get worse, and you can't even walk. Like, you know, I got a, I had a hamstring injury a couple months ago. I couldn't walk for like a week. Like, I literally was just hobbling around. It was, it's bad. Like, it, these things, if if it, if you like take that injury to another to the next step, that next grade, it really hurts. So, you know, I think they got to be careful here. They can't make any significant changes until he gets back to full strength, or at least eighty-five percent strength, and they know they can rely on him. I think he's going to miss this upcoming week because I think that's the right thing to do, and I think the the Giants can win without him against Arizona. However. If there's a if they do decide to play him, it's going to be as as long as he feels comfortable. If he can last, then sure, you know you keep you keep going with him, and if he can make it through the game, that's even better. But like you're running a risk, man. Like I said, you're going to the casino, you're going to the casino table, and you're putting chips down, you're putting money down you don't have. You know what I mean? You're putting money down that you took out on a loan, and if you get caught, you know you get caught leaning, you're gonna get hit, you're gonna get freaking screwed, and that's what the Giants are doing. They're playing with money that they took out on a loan because when you're when you're testing your friend franchise players, Daniel Jones, Andrew Thomas, when you're putting them in big or really difficult spots like this where they could get hurt or they are hurt and you're trying to make them play through it early in the season against weaker opponents, you know, that's that's the stuff that ends season sometimes. So I feel as though um, you know, the Giants got to be careful. They they have they've had this like you said before, they've had this weird knack for sometimes like in the preseason they weren't really they were being really extra cautious they didn't really give a lot of their first stringers opportunities to play during um you know during preseason games they were taking it really cautious really careful and then they go out on dallas and put up a stinker because they haven't played together in a year you know what i mean and like they they really didn't have them practice very much they were giving them days off and now the season comes around and they're like yeah we don't care about that anymore we're gonna play this guy as much as we're gonna play daniel jones in the fourth quarter and a blowout loss or yeah we're gonna we're gonna play andrew thomas despite the fact that he's hurt and we need him against san francisco and beyond like you, you, yeah, you can't just half-ass these strategies, man. You got to, you got to commit. You know, one way or another. And the Giants are just—they're they're playing both sides of the fence sometimes, and it's—it's it's a little confusing to me. I don't really get it. Um, there's probably more to it that we don't know, but at least from a basic perspective that you know we were seeing them do. Um, sometimes I question their decision making, um, and that's really the only thing. Like you said, there hasn't really been a lot to question when it comes to Brian Dable, but. The injury, like playing a Dory Jackson at punt returner, like these kind of weird, like minor things that string along the way with some of your important players, like 
those confuse me. Those those make me feel a little iffy. And then, you know, we saw what happened to Jackson last year. I don't want that to happen again because we were like, we told you this was going to happen, and it happened. Don't make us do that again. We really don't want to have to do that. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of my take. Yeah, and just to build off that, I think with Brian Dable is we're still kind of like toying with the idea of having this conversation about him and, you know, some of the mistakes that he's had. I just think he's an aggressive head coach, and sometimes it gets the best of him. And I think that's what was going on on Sunday. He was being a little bit too aggressive, wanted to make a point with the New York Giants, and he had a little bit of a tough time swallowing his pride. And I think that might be part of what happened with Adoree Jackson. Got a little bit too aggressive, wanted to make a play happen. He knew that he shouldn't have done that, but he did it anyway. He's done this a couple times. You know, this is not new. He's doing things that we know he shouldn't be doing, and I bet he knows he shouldn't be doing them either. But he does them anyway to prove a point. So I think he gets a little prideful and a little over-aggressive at times but like we've said we still love and believe and are confident in Brian Dable like that's not going to change unless something drastic happens in the next few weeks I'm still going to be a big time Brian Dable believer but his over aggression has hurt the team on more than one occasion nothing too major just yet but I really hope that nothing happens that is a major consequence uh, just because Brian Dable got a little too overaggressive. So we'll see. Of course, like we keep saying, it is a long season. It was only one week. It was a bad week, a really bad week for the New York Giants. But there are still 16 more regular season games to play. And the Giants could go 16-1 and for all we know, okay? <laughs> just to be a homer for a second, get real hyped up. It's a very long season. We've only seen the Giants play one game. It's tough not to overreact to a performance like that. But we need to try not to, try not to overreact, and hopefully just watch our team march into Arizona on Sunday and get a win on the road, because that's exactly what this team needs right now. A nice commanding victory on the road against Arizona would set pretty much everything straight. I saw the NFL.com put the Giants at 25 in the power rankings. Listen, I think that's a little disrespectful considering where we finished last season, but at the same time, I get it. Really tough week against the Cowboys, but it's all about how you respond. And Daniel Jones, for what it's worth, I saw a stat today. In his last nine losses, he's 7-1-1 one, and one in the following games. So he's only lost back-to-back games once um, in the last nine games that he's lost. So he looks due for a win to me, and I think that he will go out there and lead our New York Giants to a win. So it's all about keeping our franchise quarterback healthy, keeping him upright for the offensive line. And yeah, I think that we're going to watch our New York Giants turn things around real soon here and hopefully pick up some more wins. And of course, we're going to update you on all of the roster moves they make, all of the health and injury updates, everything else in between right here on Fireside Giants. So make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one, and let's go Giants.